baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. Wiggins, America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins, America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. It's getting to the point where I'm no fun anymore. I am sorry. Sometimes it hurts so badly I must cry out loud. I am lonely. Am I playing Crosby, Stills, and Nash without the Young on purpose? I, I got to say a little bit I am. I'm not trying to. I actually like Neil Young's music, or at least, you know, the stuff that you know that everybody knows. I'm not a deep, deep fan, but I like the songs that we know. But I got to say, and this is political politics aside, I like Crosby, Stills, and Nash better pre-Neil Young, mainly because of Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. I just like that song. So good morning. Uh, I've been walking around my house a lot more the last few days. Maybe you have too. I'm in studio right now. But um, this week, it was a reminder that uh, we still can do things from home. It was a lot like this time at last year, actually. It, this this has been a reminder this week, just these last couple days, more at home. You know, this this is what it used to feel like when it was a big deal that we got to stay home for a day or two. And then we did 2020 and 21. And everybody got tired of staying at home. And then we're like, oh, another couple of these. That's what this week felt like to me anyway. The snow's been kind of fun. Uh, I don't know if you like snow or not, but I do. And I like dealing with it until I have to shovel my driveway. All the rest of it is fine except for my driveway. You'd think at this point I would invest in some sort of snowblower, but I just haven't. I should, but I haven't. So, good morning. Uh, If you are up and you are working this morning, then thank you so much for whatever you're doing. Uh, If you just happen to want to be up and tune into the radio, that's pretty awesome, too. But we are here until 8 o'clock, and the biggest story this week, yeah, of course, we'd probably hear it would be the snow. But I think nationally and even internationally, it's got to be the Canadian truckers, right? Have you been watching this saga unfold So it's a couple weeks in the making now. Let me kind of try to walk through, at least from memory, and I've got some audio and some things I want to piece together here to to show you the timeline of this and where it's at now. It's been really amazing to watch. Now, this in America, 
I think would have gotten traction a little bit quicker, at least from the Midwest, from the major media. You know, they're going to avoid it, and they they did for a long time. But uh, it's finally caught up even to them. So it started as just a protest of border vaccine policies that the United States and Canada both said, no, you have to have a vaccine to basically cross the border as a trucker. And truckers, at least in Canada, finally said enough is enough. They are protesting Canada, which has been much more draconian than we have. Amazingly, there are parts of America that have been terrible and other parts that have been fine. Uh, Canada has been on the extreme end of this thing the whole time, like Australia has. And they don't have the same, they have, you know, a constitution, they have laws, they don't have the same protections that we have. It's amazing, isn't it? To look back at our founders and see that they looked ahead and said, what not even looked ahead, they looked inwardly at the human heart and said, here is the propensity of human hearts. Here's the propensity of people for evil. Let's set up a government that puts as many checks and spreads out power as much as you possibly can to stop individuals from controlling and, and, and gaining and holding power for as long as possible. They Nowadays, you would be considered some sort of crazy conspiracy theorist for coming up with a government that that's your central tenet, that the heart of man is inherently evil and must be... Must be uh, spread out power must be spread out as much as possible with checks and balances Um, but man thank god that they did thank god that they knew that all uh, of the powers were derived from the creator and so that is enshrined enshrined still in our constitution not as much so in places like australia and canada and so they have been terrible they've been uh, they have not been able to fight back as well as we have just through courts and things that we've done, and you know we're winning those battles. That's good news. But in Canada, they finally said we've had enough, and it was at first just dozens, maybe a hundred or so truckers said we're putting together a convoy, we're stopping traffic, and we're going to Ottawa, which is the capital, and we're just going to camp out in Ottawa until somebody hears us and realizes that we're important. You can't really have a country or at least a supply chain for your country without truckers. And along the way, and that was last week's. Now this week they've gained, they've been parked there since probably the end of last week. They've just gained and gained and gained to where now it's not just those truckers. It's thousands of truckers and tractors, farmers, people just going there to protest and the protest won't stop. It's been going on for as of now, I think roughly a week, people just constantly honking their horns in Ottawa saying, pay attention to us. Now, it's driving some citizens of Ottawa, Ottawa crazy, which I actually completely understand, but it keeps growing. And here, this is audio that I've gotten. It's from Rebel News. This is a meeting that a bunch of the truckers were having. Now, I don't know if these guys are the guys in charge or if this is just a group of them who got together. I don't know whether they speak for everybody, but this is a group of truckers in a lodge. They're doing a vote on whether to continue because the Canadian government is cracking down on them. They're in, they're, they've put fines now, I think up to $10,000 for being a part of a convoy protest 
under their emergency rules that they've enacted for themselves. Uh, they've done a whole lot of things like that. Um, they're, they're trying to do anything they can, basically, to pressure these people. And we'll get to Trudeau in a second. But listen to this audio first from this lodge. Their tactics are we're surrounded. Yes. Yes. It's all morale, Alex. Keep up the morale. You already started. Yes, the ones that want to leave. If you're worried about funds, a GoFundMe will pay the fine. Alex, they can issue us a ticket for, for a highway traffic act. That's all they can do. Yeah. Bring on the ticket. Hallowed be thy name. Be thy, name. Thy, thy kingdom come. Thy, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine art the kingdom, the power, and the glory. I'll tell you, when I first heard that, I said, these guys are in it for the long haul. They're not going anywhere because when they're doing it for what they're, they're, they're looking at a higher purpose here and whether you agree with them or not, the fact that they're looking higher and saying, this is not just about us. This is about our kids. This is about freedom in general. This is about God. That means they're in it for the long haul. You might have heard a little bit in there about a guy who says something about, well, how are we going to afford this? You know, there are people setting up GoFundMes. That's another thing that the Canadian government is trying to punish crowdfunding. I don't know how they're trying to do that, but they're, they're doing anything they can to stop this thing. This is a worker uprising. This is the stuff that socialists always talk about. Have you seen the memes floating around where they'll have somebody like a Bernie Sanders or even Trudeau on the top frame? And it says, workers of the world unite, socialism. And then it shows a picture of truckers saying, okay. And then the bottom, same frame as the top one, Bernie, somebody saying, no, no, not like that. You know, this is, <laughs> this is such an embarrassment. This is why it's the top story. This is why we're talking about it first thing this morning. This is such an embarrassment to the ruling class. They had it all planned that they would talk to the quote-unquote working class Tell them how oppressed they are all the time and that the government's their savior. Well, then once that working class turned on them, said, no, actually, you're the problem. You're not the savior. You're trying to pretend you are because you just want power. You're the problem. Get out of the way. <clears throat> now it's no longer about the workers. It's about us. We know better than you. Well, the polling in Canada has shifted fast. This is the power of pressure. That uh, something like 40% just a couple weeks ago wanted to overturn all the mandates and get on with life. Can you believe that? Well, just through this, just this pressure has turned it to where now a, a majority, I think it's pushing now 60% say, you know what? We actually do need to get on with life. These truckers are right. These protesters are right. They just opened my eyes. I didn't know all this was actually happening. You know, it, it sometimes it takes that. And that's what's happened and it's really, really inspiring to watch. Uh, I did say that I was going to talk about Trudeau here. Oh, and by the way, stick around because I don't know if we're going to do it in the next segment. We might. But at some point this morning, I want to talk about the way your COVID dollars have been spent. In Illinois in particular, I've got a report that I want to say you'd be surprised, but you probably won't. So anyway, that's going to be a part of this show. But first, here's Justin Trudeau. Now, he's, again, back to the timeline of things. When this first started, people started showing up in Ottawa. 
he said, oh, I've been exposed to COVID. I better go hide. So didn't address anything. Then he realized after roughly five, six days, this isn't going anywhere. This is the biggest story in Canada, probably in a, in a long time. And it's not leaving, so I better address it. Oh, and by the way, I also have COVID now, so I have to go hide. Uh, but here's my statement. Quote from Justin Trudeau. Today in the House, members of Parliament unanimously condemned the anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-black racism, homophobia, and transphobia that we've seen on display in Ottawa over the last number of days. Together, let's keep working to make Canada more inclusive. I know it's hard to say because we talk about stuff that just gets your blood boiling all the time. So it's hard to say this is the most or the worst or the the hyperbolic top of whatever it would be. But this honestly has to be one of the most disconnected and disingenuous statements I've ever heard from a world leader about what's happening in his own country. The truckers of his country are saying, open this country up. Stop oppressing people. Stop telling people what they can and can't do. Let it, let freedom ring. And the leader comes out after going into hiding and says, you know what the problem is in this country is anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-black racism, homophobia, and transphobia. That's the problem. And these truckers... Apparently, he's saying they're a part of that. So, as you know, you don't need to, I don't, I don't have to even break this down. You already know this. But he's grabbing buzzwords for power. So, he thinks that if I can grab these words and sort of stoke the hearts of the left, or at least his party, maybe I can turn public sentiment against the truckers. And that's been the response from the Canadian government and from American media so far. American media has barely covered this, but it's also spreading. So they're going to have to because there's an American convoy that's starting now in L.A. that's supposed to go to D.C. I uh, don't know how big that one will get. There's one happening in Australia. There's one happening in the Netherlands. So they're happening kind of all over the world. We'll keep our eye on those. Canada certainly is the inspiration for the whole thing. They're really making a difference. You know they're making a difference because the world leaders and the media of the world are now taking notice and they're trying to smear them. They're saying these people are, in the words of Mika Brzezinski and uh, Joe Scarborough on MSNBC, they're stealing fr from the mouths of the homeless. <laughs> some, some random story that they grabbed that said that one of the truckers went to a food shelter or something and got food <laughs> so they're stealing from the mouths of the homeless of canada now so yeah that's the top story of the day i know the roads are bad still i know the snow is here and that's really the top story here but man as far as in long term this trucker thing i'm fascinated by it maybe you haven't seen much about it because like i said American media. Thanks for tuning in. This is Wiggins America, where you will hear about these things. We'll be right back. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You know what's great about having Trisha Siegman in studio? What's great, Ryan? I've got a theme for you now. Yes. You ready for this? Anytime you hear this theme now on Wiggins America, really, or anywhere in the world, you'll know Trisha Siegman's in studio. Fantastic, isn't it? (laughs) Is that it? That's it. <clears throat> did you did you can notice you, it? Can you play it again? Sure. So it's kind of clowny. Yeah. Kind of stupid. Uh-huh. All things that I don't think at all when I think of you, I want to bring some levity. Because when people think of you, they think, oh, man, she's really going to bring the heat. And I wanted to kind of- <laughs> Is that what they think? Yeah, they do. Okay. They, I get emails. <laughs> They think, man, this is going to be a tough, this is going to be a deep segment. It's going to be a, not not a downer, but just one that's going to. like hard hitting. Yeah. And so I wanted to bring some levity. I wanted to balance that out. Does that work? That's very clever. Well, if you don't like it, I could always work on a new one. No, I love it. Okay. It's my first theme ever. Can we hear it one more time? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's literally a circuit song. It's just the end. It's just like, it's like five seconds. It doesn't say your name. I didn't do any clips. It's just that. That's it. Cool. Um, Thank you. Well, we have kind of a short segment here. So yeah, I, I uh, unfortunately have been bringing the heat all morning. So I thought, well, we'll take a little bit of break with you here. We won't go into any deep, deep stuff. But I do want to have you back next hour and think about this question going into the next segment. Now, you'll have some time. but and, and you too. You know, if you're listening, think about this question. What's the coolest celebrity encounter you've ever had? Don't necessarily answer that right now. But if you want to, email me or contact me on, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever and let me know. I'd love to read those. And then we'll be back next hour to talk about them. So, at Radio Wiggins on Twitter. Um and then again, I'm going to tell mine okay. because it's extremely re- – it's not just, oh, I'm going to tell this random story. It's actually relevant to the news cycle. It's not somebody who's a, a politician or anything, though. It's it's a genuine you know, entertainment celebrity, but it fits in with everything that's going on right now. So that's my tease for that segment. It's, it's a re- it really is the coolest celebrity story I have. All so, right. I have two stories. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, can you tease them? Or are you going to pick one or what? No, I'm going to tell them both. Okay. One's really short. Okay. And probably a bigger name. Okay. And just fun. Is the uh, story cool or is it just that who it is is cool? Uh, it's it's more of, I don't know, that's a lot of pressure. <clears throat> My second one are lesser names, bigger in the St. Louis area, a better story. Are they national celebrities or are they local celebrities? Sports stars. Okay, they'll get that from Trisha next hour. Love that. Love the intro. Great intro. Good job, Ryan.
I have You're no team. the best time. Oh, man. I couldn't wait for that. It's so stupid. How long have you been sitting on that? How long did it take you? I did that right before we walked in here. This is like, you remember when Dave Klein resigned? I do. It was not that long ago. We did a special tribute to him on the Annie Fry show. <laughs> yes, I do. You remember that? I remember that. I remember that. This is like that. So I figured, actually, we only have six or seven minutes here because I'm, I'm going long with all my other stuff. But um, this has been a week of random gaffes because of the snow mainly. Now, but I, I pulled a clip of one from Fox News that I'm going to play for you here. <laughs> now, these this isn't people affected by the snow. So I've got a local story to tell here, too. But this is Dave Anthony, Fox News, right? Top of the hour stuff. Okay, this is from this week. Listen to this. Um, without life jackets, anyone is is disadvantaged to survive in the water. Coast Guard Captain Joanne Birdian. The search began yesterday. <laughs> is that not her name? I'm sh- I don't know. <laughs> I heard that. It was like at 10 o'clock during Kill Me or something. Uh, Coast Guard Captain Joanne Berlin. <laughs> Are you sure that's her name, Dave? Um, without life jackets, anyone is is disadvantaged to survive in the water. Coast Guard Captain Joanne Berlin. The search began yesterday. <laughs> I heard that and started cracking up. Uh, so I grabbed that one. But there was another one, and I didn't grab the audio on purpose because it was on Annie's show. And I didn't want to make, it wasn't anything Annie did. And so I didn't want to highlight it like, oh, look at this great gaffe that Annie had. It was more that the phone cut out at the perfect moment. And I thought it was actually funnier to just tell the story than to play it because it's kind of jumbled. It's frustrating to listen to. But she was interviewing Hans von, Hans von Spakovsky on Thursday. And it was a really good interview. So if you go podcast it, you can actually hear this no no was it yeah it was no it was, it was Hans it on was. Thursday yeah the Durham report probe no okay so his phone was cutting out a little bit and we're all over the place you know I think half of us are in studio half the time this week it's been kind of messy so the the I don't and I don't think that actually played into it but the phone call cut out right as he was saying some really interesting story and said something about and I walk around the corner and you're going. What is he? What is he gonna say? And he goes, "And who is it? Henry Kissinger." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Huh? Like what happened <laughs> yeah. in between there, Hans? Right, right. So that's my celebrity story of the week. Uh, that wasn't a very good one. So I'm looking forward to yours. So, but we got we got to get out of here already. Uh, more to come. We got a lot more coming this hour, and more with Trisha Seekman in the next hour here on Wiggins America. Hello, and welcome back, Wiggins America, here on Saturday morning, and it is. Still, still not safe on the road. So we are uh, monitoring all of those things. We've been talking about it all morning and we'll continue to. But I also have a few things that I wanted to get to. And one of those things is a conversation I had. A little, we hit on it yesterday with uh, Mark Cox. So here's a little bit from that conversation. Wow. Wiggins America. Now, first of all, the word bipartisan sets off alarm bells in my head every time I hear it, uh, because often we're on the losing end of those things, but 
Uh, tell, tell me what this is about, and uh, you've written an entire blog piece about it there on, on uh, our website, 971talk.com. Yeah, because you and I have talked about it this week and uh, debated it a bit, but I, I would like to see some clarification specifically for what the role of the vice president is. Okay. Now, my fear is, as yours probably is, that this bill will get out of that. So this will end up trying to define a whole lot of other things about how we object to electors. That's all fine. The way that we have objections to elect electors right now is fine. You have what I think it's one House member and one Senate member have to together say we object. And then it goes through a process. And that's that's terrific. That's actually the way it was designed. But the vice president's role itself is not very defined, and I would like to see that better defined. Okay, interesting. So I'm going to read from uh, the Electoral Count Act here as it stands now. It basically says the votes having been ascertained and counted, uh, the result of the— they never took a breath in here. Clearly nobody was reading the stuff as they wrote it. The result of the same shall be delivered to the president of the Senate, who shall thereupon announce the state of the vote, the announcement shall be deemed a sufficient declaration of the persons, if any, elected president and vice president of the United States, and together with the list of votes, be entered into the journal of the two houses. Now, at that point, if there's an objection by a senator and a member of the House, then and that's received, that's when... The president, the, the the acting president, which would be the vice president, has a chance to object to this. I'm not sure that it's not clear. I think this is all a knee-jerk reaction to January 6th. They seem to think that if they cleared up the question of, of what Mike Pence could have done or couldn't have done that day, that this would have made this would have taken the air out of January 6th. We don't need the air taken out of January 6th. The 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 constitutional the constitutional reason we were all there was to clarify whether or not there was malfeasance in the November elections. And that's your last chance to do it. If if once those slates of electors get approved, as we've proven, then the next president gets sworn in on the 20th. Well, I don't disagree with you. And that's why I like this debate is because you and I tend to fall on the same side of issues most of the time. And yes. I think this one we're fighting over a little bit. But in in this case, I'm not talking about January 6th at all. And you're right. This is a reaction to January 6th as if, well, if we had just told Mike Pence, this is your role, none of January 6th would have happened. That's not the case at all. But I still don't know. And I I would love if you did. What would have happened if Mike Pence had objected to a slate of electors? So so my understanding is it all it's not that he could reject it and make it invalid. But he could reject it and have it sent back to the state if there are competing uh, slates of electors uh, or if there's a question about how those electors were arrived at. If you don't have that final stopgap measure, then we end up in the situation we're in now where where the the results were certified by the by the House and the Senate that day, largely because. Everybody was upset over what happened on January 6th. That should never have happened. And any serious debate got lost in all of that, and it was rubber stamped. And now we don't know uh, what what malfeasance might have happened that day, whereas the legislatures might have had another chance to look at that if it had been sent back to them. Is that what would happen, though? Because is let's say uh, Mike Pence says, OK, Arizona, we're sending it back because we got two slates of electors. 
Then it goes back to Arizona. Then who decides? Well, they might just rubber stamp it and send it right back. Yeah. I mean, we do, and odds are that's what would happen. What we discovered on January 6th, what the, 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 the true measure of what's going on here is that nobody's got the cojones to challenge this. The, the state legislators, Republicans control two-thirds of them. They don't have it, even in states where there were questions. And the judges in this country don't have it because they don't want to be the one that threw the election question into the courts and upended the system. Nobody wants to be that person, but it's that important. Somebody needed to be, but nobody is. So now they want to make sure that it's never that that if the vice president ever had that power, they don't have it anymore, which is just one less cog in the wheel, in my opinion, to being able to slow down. The, what happened in 2020 or fix what happened in 2020. I would just like to see, like you said, the state legislatures have the cojones ahead of time, then send it in, because by the time they've sent it in, they should have already figured that out. And part of your argument the other day was, well, what if it's Kamala Harris sitting there yep. and she and Joe Biden have just gotten defeated by Donald Trump and Christy Nome, and uh, she doesn't want to certify the election, so she alleges fraud in 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 Georgia and and refuses to certify those electors. Yep. And that was the difference in the election. Yeah. And I, I want to see that defined ahead of time so that Kamala Harris can't stand up and say, not what you're saying, which is, well, let's send this back to the states, but just say, well, I choose this slate over this slate yeah. because that needs to be defined. <laughs> so she can't do that in 2025. What does he know? Wiggins, America. The topic, of course, is Mike Pence, January 6th. What would his role have been? What should his role have been? What should he have done? Did he do anything wrong? Do you agree with what he did? A lot of people on all sides of the aisle have thoughts about that. Actually, I should say, on the right, <clears throat> there is a split decision on this. And uh, I have been in both camps, because I can see both sides of this one. I can see how you thought, well, maybe he should have stepped in and said, look, there were two slates of electors from every, well, not every, but many of the swing states. This needs to be addressed. I was in that camp. I still find myself in that camp to some extent that he should have stepped forward and said, there are dual slates. We have to address this. However, I'll, I'll put my... Uh, my other side of the aisle, I guess of the right side, the other side of the right side of the aisle hat on here and say that I also get that I don't know what he should have done because it's unclear what would have happened if he had done that. Does do, does the Senate override him? Does the House and Senate come together and say, no, you can't do that? Um, do they appoint somebody else to just count? You know, I, there, there's been a lot of discussion. And then. Let's say they can't do that. Does it go back to the states and then the state legislatures have to vote on which slate of electors they're putting forth? Because for the most part, that already had happened because I don't think there was one state where the the other slate of electors got a majority of the votes. There was always a majority that put forth the ones that got counted as we know it. So part of me, just out of curiosity, would have liked to have seen what would have happened. But part of me doesn't want to look forward and see what would happen if Kamala Harris were to do that. Because we're talking about an, a possibility, of course, in 2025 that you're going to see again number 45 become num number 47 in Donald Trump. 
president number, of course. And Kamala Harris slash the entire left is going to lose their minds and go berserk if that's the case. And they're going to declare, well, we've got Kamala Harris because the right already told us that she could not count. Well, the right was saying, it wasn't saying you just cannot count them. It was just saying, look, if you have dual slates and there are issues that are unresolved about possible fraud issues, which, by the way, if you haven't seen, check out Dinesh D'Souza's new movie that's coming out. I think it's called 200 or 2,000 Mules, something like that. It's got mules in the title. Watch the trailer. It's not, the movie's not out yet. Watch the trailer and tell me that that's not going to change the conversation a little bit on fraud. But anyway, back to the point here. Back to the, the point of the article that I have up at 971talk.com. And I do believe it's at my website, wigginsamerica.com. Um, don't quote me on that, though. Uh, this is an issue that's becoming, you know, in the foreground here because of a group of bipartisan senators bringing it to the foreground. And you might not like those bipartisan senators. They include Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema from the left. Angus King is an independent. He's, he's, he caucuses with the left, but he's more of an independent than Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is independent because he's further left than the left. And then you also have Susan Collins and some of the middle ground Republicans. So these are people that you may not agree with very often. They're the ones putting this forward. So immediately I get... If, you, if your alarm bells go off and you go, eh, what is this? Well, apparently it's a measure to define what the vice president's role and how do you object to electors. Now, I like some of this. I will say that. I like defining what the vice president's role is because the Electoral Count Act of 1887 came along and tried to clarify that already, <clears throat> excuse me, but didn't do a very good job of it. So we still don't know what the vice president can or can't do when that happens. And you might say, Ryan, I wish you'd shut up. <laughs> yeah, well, then don't tune in. Go listen to music. Um, I don't know why I said that. Um, but hear me out on this, because what we're talking about is not just looking back at what Pence should or shouldn't have done, which I just got done discussing. It's looking forward at what Kamala Harris can or can't do. Now, if you can get a bipartisan group of senators, not just from the middle to left, but from your Ted Cruz's and your Mike Lee's and your Rand Paul's to your um, far left Chuck Schumer's and whoever else that you want to count among the far left, um, if you can get all of them on board with just clarifying what the vice president can do on January 6th, 2025, or the next four years after that or beyond that, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Now, here's where people disagree with me, and this is where I argued a little bit with Mark Cox, which is rare. I, I don't argue with Mark a lot. Um, but he and I, he says there needs to be a greater check and balance, and that's a check and balance on the system. Agreed. I, I actually, that principle, I completely agree with. I don't think we should lose a check and balance. I just don't think that's the check and balance. I think that's a hole in the system that could be exploited. And so far hasn't, and you can feel however you want about that. It hasn't been exploited yet. The vice president has never done a thing in that situation. I think even in 1964, five, when it was Nixon versus John F. Kennedy, there was a dual slate 
presented from Hawaii, like legitimately presented. And he did not acknowledge them at all. He just took the one that had the majority of legislatures. Maybe that sets a precedent. Maybe it doesn't. My point is it hasn't been defined. So if these senators can come together and define what the vice president's role in that situation is, I don't think America loses. Now, here's what's also to here's something to be afraid of. And actually, let me finish talking about. So Mark Cox brought up that that as a check and balance uh, agreed. It can be. But my view is that the check and balance needs to happen from the states themselves. Once it gets to Congress, there are ways that senators, along with House Republicans or not House members, can object. And that's fine, too. Leave that in place. That's actually being talked about as being changed. I don't think that should be changed. I, I would like it to narrowly focus on just what the vice president can or can't do. And maybe they define that the vice president can kick it back to state legislatures because they want to know exactly which slate to choose. That's fine. Just clarify it. Because right now, we don't know what would happen. And that's what I don't like. Because it really could go into chaos. Let's say Kamala Harris steps up and goes, you know what? Pennsylvania is going to decide this election. So I am just going to not count Pennsylvania. And let's say that would have pushed it over to Trump in 2024 to five. I, I don't like the idea that a vice president has the control to be able to do that. I wouldn't mind if the Senate and the House all together said, here's what the vice president can do in that situation. Let's say she doesn't like the fact that Pennsylvania sent two slates of electors. Send it back to Pennsylvania. Make them officially vote. I mean, I don't, but I, here's again, I think that's already happened once we get to this point. But maybe they say, okay, send it back to Pennsylvania. Vice president sees issues. Send us your slate of electors, and it has to have unanimous decision, or it has to have just majority decision from your state legislature. Whatever that is, defining it to me is not a bad thing. I'm all over the map here because there's so many different... I think the point of this is that there's so many different things that could happen, and I'm presenting so many of them, that it feels like schizophrenic. But the takeaway here is that I think personally... It would not be a bad thing to define that. And you can read that article because it talks about where it's at right now, who's in support of it, who's not, all at 971talk.com. It's up there at our website. More coming up here on Wiggins America on a cold, snowy St. Louis morning. Stick around. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 